0: The Beatles are a pretty nice band, and we've got a lot to say. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfield a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine. Revolution. Don't you know it's gonna be alright? Word? Really? <laughs> um, this song is confusing to me yeah. um, I guess it's understandable considering John Lennon's headspace at the time sounds like he was hedging his bets mm. he's all about bringing down the man but uh, no blood please the guitars are dirty the song sonically melts faces it's saying without words we're gonna blow it all up and hit the reset button but John is all well let's call it <laughs> Like I said, it's confusing. It's admirable when a Martin Luther King Jr. preaches peaceful change, but when Lenin does it here, the message is just muddled. Yeah, the message is totally confusing. Like, he he talks about taking sides, but absolutely refuses to take one himself. Mm -hmm. What's the deal? I mean, mean, maybe he's saying that, like, living well is the best revenge when it comes to revolution. I'm honestly just not sure. But musically, I mean, it's their most, like, meaty rock song so far in the catalog. And mm-hmm. that's what I, like, LUV love about this tune. And that's, I mean, kind of my main takeaway when I think about this song in the, the arc of the Beatles' career. You best believe Andrew's in LUV. <laughs> the song was John's response to the popular calls for uprising in the U.S. and Europe. It was a revision of a version already recorded for the White Album, and became the b-side of the Hey Jude single. Although taped after Revolution 1, this faster, louder version was the first to be released. The song was written in India, while the Beatles were studying meditation in Rishikesh. John said, I wanted to put out what I felt about Revolution. I thought it was time we fucking spoke about it. The same as I thought it was about time we stopped not answering about the Vietnamese war when we were on tour with Brian Epstein and had to tell him we're going to talk about the war this time and we're not going to just waffle. I wanted to say what I thought about revolution. I'd been thinking about it up in the hills in India. I still had this God will save us feeling about it. I think it's going to be alright. That's why I did it. I wanted to talk. I wanted to say my piece about revolution. I wanted to tell you or whoever listens to communicate, to say, What do you say? This is what I say. While Revolution 1 found Lenin uncertain about whether to join the struggle, on the faster revolution, he emphatically demanded to be excluded. In Revolution 1, he says, Count me out, in, and Revolution, just count me out. The urgency of the new arrangement was a result of Paul's resistance in Lennon's hopes of Revolution One being the Beatles' next single after Lady Madonna. With the backing of George Harrison, McCartney argued that the recording was too slow, inspiring Lennon to re-record it in an up-tempo, distorted, and spontaneous outburst of anti-revolutionary fervor. After two years lost in an LSD haze and newly energized in his love for Yoko Ono, Lennon gladly rose to the challenge he perceived and uh some people think paul and george were just saying that to get him to stop bothering them about revolution being the a-side um but they were right i mean the revolution yeah. one is too slow it certainly definitely doesn't match the lyrics uh not that this one does either but at least you know it rot. yeah I, I think it it does it does more mm-hmm Um, Revolution featured the most distortion on any Beale's recording, particularly in the twin fuzz-toned guitars plugged directly into the Abbey Road desk and deliberately played loud to overload the meters. This was thanks to Jeff Emmerich, who has a...
1: A lot to say about
0: it. (laughs) He had a lot to say about it. It wasn't a pleasant experience. Um, John wanted to play louder and louder. He kept winding his guitar amp full up, there were acoustic limitations though as to how loud you could play it still captured the sound before it turned into a mess, leaking onto everything else and becoming all muddy. He did not understand that, no matter how many times I tried to explain it to him, so he just became more and more frustrated and angry. Making things worse was the fact that behind the scenes, Magic Alex was telling him that he would be able to play as loud as he wanted without restriction in the new studio he was building for them. That did not end up being the case. No. All that week, while we labored over the remake of Revolution, John had been exceptionally moody. No, no, I want that guitar to sound dirtier, he kept demanding of me, often without even giving me a moment's space to try something out. By the end of the week, it was really starting to get to me. Fridays were usually a little more tolerable than the other nights, because I at least had the weekend to look forward to, two days away from the nastiness in the studio. But on this evening, Lennon arrived at the studio looking ready to chew someone's head off. And I was the nearest target. Haven't you sorted out that bloody guitar sound yet, Jeff? He asked me as soon as I, he walked out in the door. Actually, I had an idea I wanted to try. One that I thought might satisfy John, even though it was equipment abuse of the most severe kind. Because no amount of mic preamp overload had been good enough for him, I decided to try to overload two of them patched together, one into the other. As I knelt down beside the console, turning knobs that I was expressly forbidden from touching because they could literally cause the console to overheat and blow up, I couldn't help but think, if I was the studio manager and saw this going on, I'd fire myself. The ironic thing was that years later, this ended up being precisely the guitar sound every grudge band in the world aspired to. Lennon stood over me as I knelt there, a relentless taskmaster hammering his guitar harder and harder as I delicately moved the knobs, trying to come up with the maximum amount of overload the board could take without bursting into flames. Suddenly, he ran out of patience and growled, you know, three months in the army would have done you good. The nasty remark implied that I was just some kind of upper-class twit who had never been exposed to the real world. I felt it was particularly ironic, considering that Lenin himself had had much more of a middle-class upbringing than I ever had, I was living in the cloistered life of a pampered rock star, and had himself never come any closer to doing national service than the three weeks he spent filming How I Won the War. I somehow managed to keep my cool and finish the session, but all weekend long I seethed and weighed my options. I didn't discuss the matter with my family, but for some time I had been confiding in Richard and Malcolm Davies. I can't go on much longer. I think I'm getting to the point where I've had enough. And soon he would. Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks, John. On July 9, 1968, following a remake of O oh La Di O oh La Da, which John detested, the Beatles began the remake of Revolution, rehearsing the song and trying out the new arrangement. The first take of Revolution, while well, George and Paul were resentful, and said it wasn't fast enough. Now, if you go into the details of what a hit record is and isn't, maybe, but the Beatles could have afforded to put out the slow, understandable version of Revolution as a single whether it was a gold record or a wooden record. But because they were so upset over the yoga thing and the fact that I was becoming as creative and dominating as I'd been in the early days, after the line fell for a couple years, it upset the apple cart. I was awake again, and they weren't used to it. Again, I, mean, I think they were right. <laughs> yeah. Although the rehearsal was taped, the next day they wiped the tape and recorded 10 takes afresh with hand claps and another drum track overdubbed afterwards. The drums were as hard-hitting as the guitars were distorted, being compressed, and put through limiters to give a claustrophobic air. A July 11th saw edition of bass and electric piano, the latter played by ace session musician Nicky Hopkins. Revolution was completed the following day with another bass part, some more lead guitar performed by Paul and John. Uh, around the fourth week of May 1968, the Beals met at Kinfounds, George Harrison's home in Escher, to demonstrate the compositions to each other in preparation for recording the White Album. A recording from an informal session released in the White Album Super Deluxe version shows the Revolution had two of its three verses intact. The lines referencing Mao Zedong, but if you go carrying pictures of Chairman Mao, you ain't gonna make it with anyone anyhow, were added in the studio. While filming a promotional clip later that year, Lennon told Michael Lindsay Hogg that it was the most important lyric in the song. By 1972, Lennon had changed his mind, saying, I should have never said that about Chairman Mao. When released in August, the song was viewed by the political left as a betrayal of their cause and a sign that the Beatles were out of step with radical elements of the counterculture. Lenin's dry response to the growing calls for revolution among the once pacifist counterculture hit the shops in America days before Mayor Richard Daly's Chicago police rioted at the city's Democratic Convention, attacking Vietnam protesters and beating delegates on the sidewalk in full view of TV cameras. Mm-hmm. So bad timing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lenin was stung by the criticism he received from the new left and subsequently espoused the need for Marxist revolution, particularly with his 1971 single Power to the People. In one of his final interviews he gave before his death in 1980, he reaffirmed the, Pacific, the pacifist sentiments expressed in revolution, though. Count me out if it's for violence. Don't expect me on the barricades unless it's with flowers. It's nice. Ian McDowell pointed out that originally a troubled message about something vital by 1987 as the soundtrack to a Nike ad, Revolution had turned into a song about training shoes. Enough said. Can we blame Michael Jackson for that? I'm okay with blaming Michael Jackson for anything. <laughs> <laughs> In 2006, Mojo placed Revolution at number 16 on its list of the 101 greatest Beals songs. In his commentary for the magazine, Pete Shelley of the Buzzcocks recalled that he had never heard such distorted guitar sounds before and hearing the song was his eureka moment where he decided he wanted to be in a band. For Thank that alone, God. for that alone, that this song is, is great. <laughs> it created the Buzzcocks, for Christ's sake. Yes. <laughs> Love Count Zero. Josie Scale, I'm good to say. Yeah! Don't you know it's gonna be better than you lose? <laughs> oh, right. Ow! Da, 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 da. Oh, yeah! Let's overload this motherfucker! <gasps> oh, yeah. oh! Sorry. Sorry, I Jeff. Can't hear. I I couldn't hear you for a minute. Just Just wait till you get the tape. Okay. <laughs> Okay, and what do you think, Andrew? Is oh, no, uh, oh, sorry, yes, uh, it's a yeah! <laughs> I thought I made that clear, <laughs> but I'm sorry, I got I got a little into, uh, yeah, I thought into you were revolting. <laughs> well, I mean, the sound I made was a little revolting. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day, but we also love the outfit a lot, so are these songs better than your love?